A's for Alcoholic is a program about recovery. My name is John, and I'm an alcoholic. And my name is Jerry, and I'm an alcoholic. Join us as we go through the alphabet of alcoholism one letter at a time. Q and A. Q and A. Q's and A's. Q's and A's. P's and P's and Q's. Oh, what man, is, at the same time. What does P's and Q's stand for, Jared? Do you remember? I don't know. It was uh, pints and quarts, Mind, dog. Don't drink too much. Mind your pints and quarts. Yeah, don't be getting wild taking off your petticoat and shit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Lowering your breeches and crashing your, your cider wagon into a windmill. It's very Dutch. Very... Which was, you know... Man, alcoholism back in those days must have been wild, but it must have been biz as usual for them. It's like a normal day. Well, there was also, you were just mad. You were just crazy if you couldn't yeah. handle it. Like, there was no there was no such thing. I mean, that was, yeah. Yeah. You were just They're insane. Just, you were just in the gutter. Mm-hmm. Imbibing too much mead on King's Day. Well, and to think of the stuff that they had, that they made, I mean, there was no, distilling was, you know, a relative term. Oh yeah, no. There was <laughs> just it was just Pruno that they filtered through like a cat gut. Ooh, it's just yeah. that's frightening to me and I've had some bad yeah, whiskey. I've had literally had Pruno. Mm. I've had it with you. That's right. We did have we that had, homemade Pruno and somebody made it. was hipster Pruno. Oh, hipster Pruno. Jail Pruno. Anyway. <laughs> so, today on the pod it's it's letter Q, and so it's our Q and A show. So I, I reached out to some of our listeners and some folks on Instagram and elsewhere, and asked them to give us some questions. You feel yeah. like answering some questions? Yeah, sure. You don't mind? I don't mind. I love questions. So Let's talk. We uh we we picked a few uh the best ones, and we're gonna just go down the line and and answer some questions for everybody. So this one comes from at Kit Kat Span or Kit Kat's Pan. Maybe it's like Kit Kat Span. Uh, she says, uh, how hard was your first, or he, how hard was your first sober day or your first day sober? Mm, that's a good like, question. It sucked. Mm-hmm. It was hard. But it depends. It also depends on what we're counting our first day sober. Was it the first day you said enough is enough? I imagine not because that was you probably, I was drunk when I said enough was enough. I was too. I was real drunk when I said enough is enough. And then I woke up the next day and didn't drink at all that. No, that's not true. No, I woke up the next day, drank some more. But it was the worst, awful worst, like warm white wine in a plastic tumbler. Like just a shame, a maintenance shame drink, you know. Mm. But then that first day after that, to be honest with you, I was carrying the obsession really hard. But I was trying to figure out how I was going to clean up all the collateral damage I had caused. And it was so overwhelming. Like you just thought... The collateral damage from your entire life, or yeah, just no, from that yeah, weekend? Not, no, not from that weekend, okay. from my life. Yeah, no, I wouldn't have trashed the house because I was living with my brother in law, and he would have beat the tar out of my ass, dude, if I would have done anything too wild in his house. But just what I had done with my family, man, I had to like sit down and I don't, it wasn't even sitting down, a lot of pacing. There was, there was physical withdrawal as well. How about you? What about I you, think, bro? I think the first day 
would have been because the first the the night that I said I'm done and I quit, I had been drinking and I had one last beer. And um, how hard was that first day? That first day, I was still reeling from hangover from the yeah. previous, you know, three or four, uh, five days or however many days it was in a row that I'd been drinking. But I'd had that super yeah. hardcore bender on that Saturday night. And by bender, I mean the bottle of vodka underneath the bed. Right. <laughs> Having to bend over to get it. That's That was... Just <laughs> <laughs> your bender was bending. But the next Damn. day, I think I still... So I had to go back to work, if I remember correctly. And it just I just remember having that sort of... That hollow, dry feeling of like the second day hangover where it's not completely uh-huh. gone, but it's not completely painful. Yeah. And really wanting another drink and going... And that was the the only thing that kept me sober that day was that I told myself I was only going to do it for a week, mm-hmm. you know. So it was like, yeah. okay, yeah. I can do it for a week, man. And it, but it was it was it was really hard. Um, I mean, how hard? It was it was pretty it was pretty awful that I that first day of going. And th- but that wasn't the only day. That wasn't the day that I said I'm not going to drink for the rest of my life. But it was just so in my mind to make it easier. I kind of put a cap on it. But right, I just right. remember being hungover and then being really sad and wanting to drink and feeling all the guilt and the shame and just feeling so horrible about things that I'd done and said. So, mm-hmm. I mean, it was it was probably that first that first month was like that, you know. So Yeah, it's it's a great question, <clears throat> but it's also one of those questions like to me it feels like the after like the immediate after aftermath of like a traumatic car accident. Mm-hmm. And then they run up and they're like, "How you doing?" like right after like immediately after everything's happened and you're just like that just ears buzzing bringing that saving it's like a saving private Ryan shit, you know, where the bomb falls and you can't hear anything, you just hear mm-hmm. the ringing, you know? I mean, that was going through I was going through like the metaphorical version of right those first early days because i was just like my body was traumatized because i was cutting off the thing that was keeping it going and Mm -hmm. then my brain was all fucked up because i had been doing the thing that was keeping my body going so yeah it was it was a shit show but it got better (laughs) yeah and you know i i think that for me and and i i i know for you as well but that a lot of people this question is kind of it's different because a lot of people go through rehab. They get to the point yeah. where they're they're either court ordered or family ordered or people have drugged them somewhere and so they they're doing it absolutely resisting every single thing that's happening to them. So I feel right. grateful that, you know, it wasn't it wasn't hard in the fact that it was my decision in the end. Yeah. Which I think I had a, led to success. I had a, <laughs> <laughs> it's a very successful. <clears throat> I had a guy at a meeting ask me what rehab did you go to, man? I'd early, early, I'd like eight months or something, six, eight months. He's like, what meeting or what rehab did you go to? And I'm like, I didn't go to any rehab. I just kind of stopped. I just fucked mm-hmm. everything up so bad that I had to stop. And he was like, man, that's fucking gangster. You're a badass, you know, and gave me all these props. And for like two weeks after that, I felt like such a superstar. I was like, yo, I'm a recovery superstar, dude. I did it on my own, you know, like, mm-hmm. and, and in hindsight, I was like, you were just another drunk, not drinking, you know, but. I just I remember feeling so proud of myself at that point, mm-hmm. and in reflection, being like, "You fucking dork, you dork." <laughs> yeah, recovery all star over here. Um, recovery all stars. Yeah, where's my sash, man? <laughs> I demanded a sash in my waiver. Yeah, it's it's you know, and the, and the thing too with the rehab is that, like I'm just grateful 
because when I hear people talk about how amazing rehab was for them, they were at a place where they needed it. You know, a lot of people, Mm -hmm. I'm so thankful and so grateful that I didn't need to go to that point that I was, Mm -hmm. I had that moment where I was like, Oh, okay. Time to, to fix it up or to do something else. I didn't even know what that was at the time. Your moment of clarity came in a high spot, like not a high, well, not a high spot because it was a real shitty part of your life, but it came in higher than some for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Which is good. Yes. Great. Grateful. (laughs) Gratitude. All right. What's number two? I think we might have parsed that one out. Yeah. This one comes from at Chris Tucker, nine, nine, two, one. And Chris Tucker is one of our um, Patreon patrons. So we thank him very much. For his sustaining monthly contribution. I loved your work in Friday. Yes. <laughs> awesome. I wish you would have come back for Friday, too. Why didn't you? Rush hour. Oh, man. Rush hour was not as good as Friday. No, anyway. It was the not. Question. The question is, what step do you find the most important? Oh, that's a great fucking mm-hmm. question. <laughs> yeah, that's a really good question. So. How, you lead. Okay. You, you, okay. You, Th- thank have, you for leading today, John. I've had, I've, well, I've had, a, I've had these questions um, for a little bit longer than Jerry has. Um, so when you talk about being in a twelve-step program, and mm-hmm. we're going to talk about other programs um, too, but so you really have to do them in order, and that's that's just the way that it's set up. You can't. Well, I mean, you know what? You can do whatever you want. I had to do them in order. <laughs> it is suggested that it was suggested to me that I do them in order, you know? Right. So mm-hmm. it literally, I think the most important step for me was what we talked about in the first question was that what they call step zero before you even get into any kind of program or I, you know, mm-hmm. uh, ideas of recovery. So like step zero is, um, this shit has got to stop. And yeah. that comes from that comes in that moment of clarity, whether you're drinking or not, or at least it did for me. Uh, so I think, um, I think for me it would have to be zero. I also think that the twelve step program that I subscribe to um, has a large spiritual aspect. So I think that finding a way to understand that spiritual aspect um, is pretty vital to everything else that is a part of that program Mm -hmm. you know what do you think i like uh uh what can i do two i like one and four you can do you can do whatever you want what is but i mean to explain to the person who isn't because there are we have a lot of listeners who maybe not do not have problems with alcohol are not familiar with the program we're not here to advertise the program that we're in we are not a at all representatives of the program no. we're in. We're probably some of the worst representatives <laughs> of that program. But, you know, but mm-hmm. just to kind of roughly say one is, um, you know, admitted that I was powerless over alcohol and my life had become unmanageable, which is one of my favorites. And I, I apply that every day to not just alcohol, but the other things that I do. You know, like I love the act, the, the sense of powerlessness to me gives me power. Mm-hmm. People would always tell me, oh, well, I don't agree with AA or I mean, I don't agree with the program you're in mm-hmm. because of that powerlessness shit. And I'm like, that's fucking bullshit because you are powerless over everything in your life and you have no idea. You have no idea. The idea of giving up control is one of my favorites. And then the uh, number four is the, you know, the, the, 
uh, moral inventory, taking mm-hmm. inventory of what you do. I try to do those every day, little ones, because that reflection on your actions teaches you a lot about what your motivations are. And so for me, that's really important to learn what motivates the depth of actually what motivates mm-hmm. me and not just like, yo, I want cookies or do you know what I'm <clears> saying? Or like, yo, mm-hmm. I want to play Fallout 4 all day long or I'm. I, I'm angry because of this, but to figure out the layer underneath that as to what my motivations are, and then I can work on that to become, right. to, to try to become a better person. Mm. But one in four, I think, one in four. Yeah, I think with the powerlessness, yeah. when you think about it in terms of like what we think of that, what we're dependent on, you know, mm-hmm. whether it be electricity, think about the last time the internet went out or, you know, Bam, you your, your power, no power goes out, you know, you are powerless. literally have no power. So yeah. yes. how long is your, the food going to last in the fridge? And, you know, so right. to admit that these things and you go, okay, well, I'm, I, I require something that's, I require electricity. I am powerless without it, that kind of thing. So, I mean, it's, yeah. I, I think of that as more of like, when you admit that you're, you're just kind of cracking the door open a little bit. And that's what this, a little bit, you mm-hmm. know. And um, number four is just you got to clean your desk, right? Just to right. to know what what work you have to do. It's an mm-hmm. inbox outbox sort of situation. And if you look at it um, uh, objectively, you've just got to you've got to get the work done, right? Right. <laughs> got to punch exactly. in, punch out. Yeah. And I'm a nervous cleaner, man. I got to keep cleaning, you know? So why not apply it to my life, you know? just And, and, and uh, you know, I'd also like to say before we move, yes, yes. move on, but I am not a great example of working these steps sometimes either. I mean, I have to, like, really throw that caveat out there uh, be, or disclaimer out there because, you know, I can sit here on this podcast and be like, yeah, I'm really working it. And then I go out in my life and I'm like a dick to everybody. You know what I mean? So, like, mm-hmm. I, it's a constant work in progress. It's always those that's why I love that structure of the steps Mine. because it's a, you're a constant work in progress. You never really figure it out. Never really all the way. You just figure it out enough to make life tolerable and then enjoyable. Well, you're you know? human beings. So you're, you're going to be susceptible to these things that every single human being is. So we do our best, <laughs> you know, we do our best to be kind and to have empathy. And we are very easily prone to, selfishness and self-centeredness and and all that so yeah all right we are going to go to step our uh, question number three from at i am audio angel and uh she says she asks how do you make it through hard through hard times when you want a drink or how do you make it through a hard time when you want a drink uh-huh you're like oh i hang out with my girlfriend because <laughs> she's so great so I would say when I, when I have a hard time, when I'm, when I'm frustrated, when I'm angry, when I'm sad. Um, so I, I know now three years on, I know now that if something is upsetting me, that the drink that I want is not the problem or it's not, it's certainly not the solution. So it's just, for me, it's more of like a, uh, it's like a little, my radar goes off and says, something is wrong. Something is up. You need to sit down and figure it out. When you talk about taking that moral inventory, it's in the moment, you know, you talk about taking it in that second, whether you're, you know, in a argument with somebody, whether you are, um, feeling sad and you're like, man, I just want to get fucked up today. You know? Yeah. I just, you know what? Fuck everybody. Yeah. Fuck. 
everything. I just want to be drunk and be by myself. And I have to go, okay. And I have those thoughts on occasion, not so much anymore. But mm-hmm. I have to think, well, what is that? What is the thing? What is the underlying problem? What is being attacked? Is it my self-esteem? Is it my um, is it my security? Is it what? What is being attacked? And, and why is it being attacked? And why do I, you know, how do I go about understanding it so that I can I can repair that thing. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. what about you? Do you, uh, I mean, do you still, do you ever, I, well, my coping mechanisms have gotten a lot better. So <laughs> now when I am in a stressful situation and I have to cope with it, I usually walk. I like, I like that. I'm talking about the physical aspect. I, I always have this tendency to want to run for my life. So I'll like leave, like I'll leave mm-hmm. the house. If I'm in it, like I'll, I'll just pace around. I'll call someone. I usually call you. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, I'll call, I have a couple other people I can call. But the way I framed it in my head was that this thing that I used that, that, that previously used to be about release and relief is now about, now to use it would actually um, exacerbate the problem. So it would no longer be release and relief. It would be like confinement and anxiety, you know, and that's all I would be adding to any problem. Anything I have, you know, that I've dealt with so far, you know, I can't, I can't predict what's going to happen in the future or any of my reactions there. But I feel like in my mind, I had to mentally switch it so that alcohol was no longer a solution, but just a greater cause. You know what I mean? A mm-hmm. greater cause of the problem or a greater symptom to the problem. So for me personally, I just, I really distance myself from things. And I like your advice a lot too, where you sit down and you actually think, what is the core of this that's making me react in this way? That's a great way because even if you're fucking furious, if you can just get away without breaking anybody's head open or like downing a fucking fifth of Evan Williams or whatever and sit down and think about what it is that twings that, that you know, plucks that string that infuriates you or causes you such distress, then from there you can actually start to do, I imagine, start to do a little work on like what it is that does that, you know? Yeah. Yeah, and don't drink. And don't drink. I mean, that's it. That's that's the uh, that's the best advice. There's There's whatever it is that's bothering you just you take a moment pause stop halt that's what that's that, that's what it is halt yeah find and, someone to talk to yeah. ask for help call somebody it hard. it's hard it's hard to ask for help but mm-hmm. once you just open yourself up to it, it makes it a lot easier man you get to ask for help in this in this situation yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. all mm-hmm. right next comes from at jess 070127 and uh, how do you fight cravings, Jerry? How do you do you get cravings anymore? Did Not you really? When I, you when uh, you did, I did. Mm-hmm. How did you fight cravings for alcohol? Fucking sugar, dude. It's so <laughs> funny, man. Sugar. I bring up the story all the time about talking to that talking to an old timer on the phone. He's like, "Get some Jolly Ranchers," and I'm like, "You've lost your mind. That ain't gonna work." And then there I was, like a week into my sobriety, like eating fucking Snickers bars and. And monster energy drinks because it made me feel different. So like the mm-hmm. caffeine and sugar, mm-hmm. they weren't the complete solution, you know, but they were helpful. That's how I fought cravings. And now the cravings aren't the same. They're not the same. It's more of a mental than a physical. You know, yeah. you phys- remember physically feeling the craving? Like mm-hmm. when you smoke cigarettes and you yes. feel it in your body, it like it was like hot electricity, man. I hated it. It was itchy. Mm-hmm. But nah, man, sugar, pie. Yeah, sugar, pie, coffee. Coffee. Lots yeah. of coffee. I, I don't drink as much coffee anymore, but in early sobriety, like we're talking a month, two, three months, I didn't care. I just said, well, at least I'm not drinking. And, and honestly, that mm-hmm. was great. Yeah. So yeah. 
my particular issues around sugar this this day over the last you know now that it's been over three years those are different and those are things that i uh i need to you know deal with probably in the same way i think another like you were talking about cigarettes and um and i quit smoking uh like almost three years ago this month so um one of the things that cigarettes was like Alan Carr is a great guy who um, he talks about quitting smoking and he talks Mm -hmm. a lot about cravings. And so when you realize what a craving is, it's kind of the synapses in your brain. And again, I'm not a um, neuroscientist. I don't know exactly what I'm talking about. Not yet. Not yet. (laughs) I'm still waiting for the diploma in the mail. (laughs) But you've got two synapses that live really close together and they go... Give us a cigarette, give us a cigarette, give us a cigarette. And if you give them a cigarette, mm-hmm. then they come together and they go, oh, yeah. But the cigarette yeah. never really quenched anything. It just made everything, you made you feel different. So all yes. the anxiety, all the health defect, uh, uh, deficit, all the health health issues, you know. And so then when those, when those little two synapses would be apart and they'd say, give us a cigarette and give us a cigarette. And you say no, they get a little bit further apart. Mm-hmm. And then they do it again, but it's softer and it's it's quieter. And then they get further yeah. apart and further apart and further apart. And that's with anything. So you're basically, and I think with alcohol and with food for me, and the way that I understand gut bacteria, whether or not, you know, I have the, uh, whether or not I'm doing it or not, is whatever you feed, they grow more, right? It just makes sense. So if you starve the thing that wants the alcohol in your body early on, then it's not going to want it anymore. Wow, that's deep. Right? Why are you talking about your actual physical bacteria in your gut? In your are you gut, talking about yeah, the, your gut. Are you using it as a metaphor. No, your guts. Oh. So there's the shit. And so like when you eat poorly, those bacteria mm-hmm. they grow more and more and more, and they get hungry and hungry, and they oh, say, "Give me another cheeseburger." Yeah. But wow, if you yeah, but if okay. you if you quit eating cheeseburgers, they have nothing else to live on, or mm. whatever it is. So if it's cheeseburgers, pie, right. cigarettes, right. or right. I just I just mm-hmm. use the cigarettes as a metaphor or alcohol. Oh, it works great. So go use sugar. If that's what it takes for you to not drink early on and worry about the issues of of the sugar later, (laughs) you know, I, I I think it's completely acceptable to have Jolly Ranchers and pie. Yeah. Hell yeah. (laughs) You know, I was going to say too, here's the other thing too. I've met other, um, people who are trying to achieve sobriety and go through recovery and they'll quit it all. They'll quit like as far as like drinking and smoking and they'll quit smoking right when they quit drinking and I always I always think of it like dude don't don't quit smoking like keep fucking smoking one thing at a time yeah. you know what I mean like like you got to one thing at a time so I was going to say and this is awful advice but I I don't <clears> care whatever <throat> maybe smoking will help you with the cravings too it helped me I smoked a lot when I first got sober it's not really anything that you can maintain over any period of time and live a healthy lifestyle but the nicotine helped me now for me to tell a new newly sober person who doesn't smoke to start smoking it's just no. funny I'm trying to be funny <laughs> right I'm just like yeah quit smoking it's hilarious but don't it's totally shit it's awful for you it's just as bad as fucking drinking except mm-hmm. you know you don't fuck every well. You do fuck everybody else up, but I guess <laughs> my point is that nicotine was really helpful to me too. And and the idea of quitting both at the same time was too big of a, an incline to climb. That's a lot you of know. that's the same advice mm-hmm. I've gotten from from mentors and other people. Yeah, is don't quit both. Don't quit, quit both. The drinking. It's fine. And then when you got the drinking kind of handled, mostly handled, start vaping or chantix or whatever pack mm-hmm. patches or gum like Mark Marin does or yeah. whatever. Yeah, I mean the gum. 
yeah whatever whatever it takes so yeah but that's um, a whole other podcast mm-hmm. man <laughs> chantix and tantrix yeah the chantix hour the, <laughs> the chantix. chantix sex with john <laughs> so we will move on to number five this is from at sober julia instead <clears throat> Are there any alternative programs other than AA? There are plenty. And you yeah. can go through, um, you can Google these if you want. Um, I'm just going to give you a quick little overview of a few of them. Um, there is one that's, let's see, there's, there's Smart, which is, um, what is it, Sobriety something. It's, it's basically Smart is a... Uh, what is it? Moderation management is one. So there's, there's the one that's MM moderation management. Um, smart stands for smart management and recovery training focuses on empowering the individual to sustain recovery. Um, there's another one and I'm reading these off the, off, off online. (laughs) Mm -hmm. This, uh, life ring is, uh, this secular group provides a healthy network of peers focused on remaining abstinent from drugs and alcohol. Uh, there's one called Women for Sobriety, um, and abstinent-based, obviously, program is made up of women supporting each other in recovery. And I think it's important to to say, too, that, you know, men and women have very different, especially in alcoholism, have very different um, experiences. They oh, can abs- be, yeah. you know, oh, yeah. so it's yeah. really important in those, in those um, that they have those separations like that. Um, there's one called SOS which is a secular organization for sobriety. Nice. Um, this nonprofit network is made up of secular recovery-based groups. <clears throat> Moderation management, that was the MM. This program is, is not based on abstinence, but instead on learning how to moderate and control problem drinking behaviors. Whoa, really? Mm-hmm. I've never heard of that. Yeah, no. I don't... Well, <laughs> well, whatever. Yeah, that's one of them, definitely. I don't know. So I can't I can't apply what works for me to other people. No, no, uh, I I think there are so many different ways, and um, yeah, when I think about something like moderation management, I don't think mm-hmm. even right now today I wouldn't want moderation. I never did. Nah, I never either. did before. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was never interested yeah. in drinking, quote unquote, normally. I was never interested in being able to have a smart cocktail before dinner and enjoy a nice glass of, you know. A crisp uh, Gravitzaminer. <laughs> exactly. Uh, I don't even know what that means, but yeah. So one. for me, it was always, and as far as secular, um, if I may express my opinion, I yeah, think... I mean, it's your podcast, man. <laughs> I think that there is a huge um, and terrifying thing when you use the word God. And so there's always this backlash of... Um, of like, well, I, I don't believe in God and I'm not religious. And so I can't really do the spiritual thing that you're talking about. And if you yeah. can't, you can't. Right. So that's so yeah. don't. Um, yeah. I just know for me that that spiritual part of it was something that I was sorely lacking. Right. Mm-hmm. And yeah. um, mm-hmm. I was reading. Have you read Recovery by Russell Brand? No, I started listening to it while I was painting and I liked it. But then mm-hmm. I don't know. I forgot that I was listening to it. 
and stopped. And then Dan Carlin had a new history podcast. And no, it was more like Stephen King got a, had a new audio book out, and I was like, man, I want to hear about this anyway. Well, so Russell Brand says something, and he it's interesting his his thoughts on on God. You know, just because I hear a lot of secular stuff, and I think that it's important mm-hmm. that you do whatever works for you. But he says, um, well, then don't call it God. You call it the source. It's the source of all power, all things, all energy, all being. And he was talking about prayer. And he said, he called prayer. um, He said, if you don't like the word prayer, that's fine. He called, he said, instead use didactic inner code reset. (laughs) (laughs) And so basically just an instructive inner code reset because that's all we're doing is we're just trying to reset our brains to think in a different way. However mm-hmm. you get there and whatever you have to do to get there, I am totally all for it, man. And if you're not, if you're into moderation management, more power to you. I yeah, can, I just made a thumbs up. Yeah, <laughs> I can hang if out you with you. That out, yo, hit me up because if you've really figured it out, mm-hmm. like. I might be interested. Right. Probably probably not though, no. I don't yeah, and that's the thing is ass. like <laughs> but I feel like seriously. you would be uncomfortable. Like I would be uncomfortable the entire time trying to moderate because the little fucking drunken werewolf in me would be like, What are you doing, dog? Like you we're supposed to uh uh-uh. uh mm-hmm. we're supposed to do all of this, not some of this. And we're you, supposed to drink all of this. And Jerry. then your brain would be like, Well, am I moderating enough? Do I moderate too much? Oh, am yeah, I allowed one more? How like, much how many is too many? <laughs> and this is just us personally like yes. if, if you're doing if you're out there in the world doing it like fuck yeah my hat's off to you cuz that is gangster as mm-hmm. fuck that is tough that's tough and uh, you know the secular aspect of of recovery is is interesting i i didn't mm-hmm. realize i was missing any spiritual aspect but it was important in the early days of my recovery to make sure that i was like i'm an atheist by the way and i still have an atheistic type of thinking Mm -hmm. i'd say it's more agnostic you know or maybe it's just non-christian i don't know you know what's funny you remind me of the secular thing and the word god freaking people out and we have a we have a a, like a a friend who is you know went into recovery Mm -hmm. and i was talking to him about our our thing that we do and i was telling him don't worry about the god thing don't let that freak you out don't run for the hills you know because i was trying to be soft about i didn't want to just be like ah god and throw it in his fucking face you know like yes. god and then he had spoken to you and he's like dude i don't know why jerry was doing that he was being like hella weird about the god yes. aspects and after you told me i realized that our that this guy fucking went to catholic school from kindergarten all the way till he graduated high school and i was like oh he's so familiar with the god thing it doesn't even it's not gonna phase him yeah he actually probably believes in (laughs) god you know Mm -hmm. yeah whereas like when i first went in the meetings my big excuse to not be at the meeting was god Mm -hmm. that was my biggest ah it's all about jesus and shit you know that's why i'm not going to a meeting you know and then Mm -hmm. then i yeah then shit got hairy and i was like all right okay maybe Maybe I'll listen to these fucking crazy mm-hmm. people. Yeah. yeah, and then you find out you're one of them. Oh, Jesus. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so, so he had just said his name. <laughs> Hallelujah, brother. So I, I and I, I don't know what um, this person's motivation was for asking this question. Um, well, it's good that we talk about yeah. these things because, you know, I feel like people feel like that's their only option, and there's so many options. Just as long as you're not drinking that's the big thing. And mm-hmm. you're not in hell. You're not in hell yes. sober. That's the... Don't be in sober hell because that's even worse than drunk hell. Mm-hmm. You don't even get to drink. You know, that's the thing. You got to learn how to not be in hell. Not be in hell regardless of how you are managing or not managing yourself. And if it's manageable, right. it's manageable. And, and So uh, 
if you can moderate it, awesome. I love that question, though. It's a good question. Mm -hmm. I didn't do any research for the question whatsoever. That's okay. But, That's all right. But it is good to let people know that there's something other than, you know, than AA. There's other things in that that work, that mm -hmm. do work. Mm -hmm. You just got to find and it. And if I... there's one of my... I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, I was going to say... I wasn't saying it. Okay. trailing off. <laughs> perfect. Perfect timing. One of my favorite um, non-12-step recovered, recovering sober alcoholics um is a guy that you know and his name is mishka shabuli and he plays yeah. punk rock music all over the country he tours he does um he does lectures at harvard he um and he completely i don't know if he renounces it but he pretty much renounces you know 12-step programs he's like i don't need it i do my own thing that's it and i think that's super awesome and i love reading his articles he's written some articles either for the fix, like recovery, um, magazines online. Um, he might've done some stuff for like the New Yorker. Uh, mm -hmm. but it's just interesting. And I, I, you know, I usually, when I'm reading online articles, I tend to not finish them, but his, his, I, yeah, I finish. Yeah. So, mm -hmm. um, I check out Mishka Shibuli. Um, he, he mm -hmm. does a great, there's a great rich role podcast with him in it too. So there's yeah. another guy who, uh, who doesn't do it at all and is, continuing doing to stay fine. sober doing there's fine. a few of them i mean there's a few really well-known people even actors who do who mm -hmm. just work a, a different type of deal you work you know, your, a different kind of program fine. right i mean everybody yeah. you said this early on everybody works a program you have a program in do. you you have a set of habits and things that you do every single day whether it's a good one or a bad one so mm -hmm. you pick your own it's up to you all right next question this is from at personal best underscore every day. So he says, how am I going to meet girls without drinking at a bar or behind a bar? So, oh, I, so you hide in a dark corner and you jump out and yell, hi, hi. Um, you yell, God, you jump out, God. yell, God, I believe in God. Um, oh man, I, so I was a bartender for many years. And so obviously the, he, he said behind the bar, um, yeah. it was not, I don't know. I think people have this idea about bartenders scoring chicks and having like some sort of rock star life. And it was not like just that for me. Throwing it out. Just there throwing out there. No, it John was, was just throwing it out there. It was never like that for ground. me. <laughs> it was never it was just... never like that for me because well one i was there until three or four in the morning and then right. i had to drink until like six or seven sometimes eight C correct and then so, sleep like, it even off if, even if the this person wanted to come home with you you're like well you're gonna wait here till six in the morning because i got stuff got, to do i got stuff to do i mean by six you're gonna be completely asleep but how do you get girls it's a hard question for me to answer finish your well, story though. I, I think yeah um i think the best way I can answer this, because there's no, I can't tell you to, I don't, I'm this, you know, it's not a dating podcast and I can't tell you to go to the grocery store or go to church or, you know, go, mm -hmm. go to the UPS store or whatever. I don't know. Um, but I think that if you are working a, um, if you're working a program that works for you, if you're, if you're in the right places and you're doing the right things, then the right people will be attracted to you. Word. I mean, that's the best way I can put it without, you know, I don't really know either, man. I mean, right. online, right. I, I I can't recommend, you know, I, I hear all the horror stories about 
dating apps and stuff like that. But right, you don't have to be lonely at <laughs> WeAreRecoveringAlcoholics.com. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? Like, you know, um, my opinion on it is that if you are in early recovery, don't date anybody. Don't mm-hmm. even look for girls. Don't even be around girls. You got to take care of you. You got to take care of you because the minute you get the chaos of a relationship or even the highs and lows of a relationship mm-hmm. or even that like that dopamine hit of like doing shit with people, you know, that might derail you. But then once I think once you feel like you're more stable and steady at that point, I think that idea of, oh, I have to drink to talk to people. It starts to go away after a while because you do stabilize and steady out and you're like holy shit, I've done all this other stuff without getting fucked up that I used to have to do fucked up. Yes. Maybe I can do this thing. Mm-hmm. That's what I'd suggest. I got sober with a wife. My wife couldn't stand me when I got sober, so it's almost like I had to redate her again, but I was also dating someone that couldn't stand me, so I was like, how are we going to work this one out? But, you know. Can I ask, how was there anything in particular that you did work it out with? or I just didn't drink, and then it started... Uh, you know, go into meetings and shit. And eventually like I got less and less crazy. Mm. I, I think once the immediacy of me not being fucking crazy started to wear off, we started to get along because even it wasn't like a, you know, no switch is flipped. You're not all of a sudden sane and you know, no, no, your shit does not get together for quite some, my shit is still not together, Mm -hmm. but she, I think, I don't know. I mean, we'd have to have her on and ask her and she'd probably (laughs) laugh and be like, man, I still don't like this fucking guy, but but I, I would think, for me personally, my opinion is don't don't date anybody early on. They no. always say in the in the rooms, they say wait a year. But I just say wait till you get your shit together a little better before you go out there looking for girls. Yeah. Man, we have the internet nowadays. You don't need to be trolling for one night stands. Like, you have the internet, dude. Mm-hmm. It's just right there. to handle your own business, take care of yourself, get your own house in order. Do what needs Find to do. Find a new favorite song, you know. Mm-hmm. It's true. Yeah. It's just, true. And then you can worry about chick, uh, ladies. I'm sorry, women. God, mm-hmm. such a sexist saying chicks. Hey, I was gonna say, you know, it's <laughs> it's hey, a messy. It's you know, recovery is a messy deal. You're right. It's not a switch. It it's like cleaning out the cat box, man. It takes a minute, man. It takes a minute. So if you're looking for another person out there, yeah, give it a minute. In my opinion, I think that's a good that's good advice. Okay. Moderation. And this one comes from at Mojo Mant, Mojo M. Ant. And it just says, they just sent the word temptation. So um, to talk on the subject of temptation, I would say that uh, I don't, I don't feel temptations in the same way that I did. I don't, mm-hmm. I don't know when the, when's the last time you ever like sat at a bar top or anything like that or. You have no real reason to necessarily. No, I mean, I went to that birthday party the other day, and they were drinking Bloody Marys, and I was tempted to drink a Bloody Mary, but I wanted a virgin one. Mm -hmm. Like, I thought the alcohol would fuck up the tomato, because I was like, man, I really want some tomato juice. (laughs) But that's what I had identified it with, because there was a fleeting moment there where I felt like my ass start tingling, like, oh, geez, am I really having a liquor craving now? Like, damn it, brain. And then I realized it was actually more the salt, and the Clamato and the Worcestershire, like all of that together, mm-hmm. you know, that was what it was. But I don't know who was in the Temptations. Was that? <laughs> it was more Smokey Robinson, uh, or was maybe that... Smokey Robinson? The Temptations. I was more of an OJ's fan, but 
<clears throat> yeah. No, I liked uh, the with the coasters or the, <laughs> the dude drifters. Did, uh, um, why the hell can't I remember his name? Easy like Sunday morning. Lionel Richie and the Commodores. Commodores. I love that in the name. We're the Commodores. Yeah. But yeah. Temptation is is just the same as um, the uh, craving. Mm-hmm. You know. No, actually, Temptation's not because Temptation is that the idea that something is so alluring that you would put aside all of your. All of your, you know what I well mean, like all of your recovery. well-gotten recovery to be to this alluring thing. I don't like the word temptation, to be honest with you. Like alcohol is like this siren out in the sea, who's like, "Come to me and fuck all your life up." I'm like, no, no, ah, no, no. Ew. Just put cotton in your ears, man, and don't listen to the siren song. I um, Ew. I was out to lunch with a with a friend who uh who drinks. And we popped into a place, and the, I think the only place there, the, the first place to sit was at the bar. And I don't, even being a bartender, I just don't do it anymore. But I was like, that's fine. Right. I have no problem. I'm not, I have, my business here is to, you know, eat a sandwich, and then we're going to go. And I remember, like, looking up at all the pretty bottles, and they're all shiny and pretty. And I knew a lot of them, some of them more intimately than others. And Oh, and yeah. looking up and and it was just like for that moment there's this there's this little moment of like remembering sort of the romantic oh man i could totally just wouldn't it be great if i could just have a drink in the afternoon and you know just enjoy myself like a normal person and then yeah. my friend had ordered like a whiskey or something and i got a whiff of it and i was like ooh that's why I don't sit at the bar. And, yeah, and it was just exactly. kind of a mess. And it was kind of gross because bars kind of are sometimes. And, yeah, they smell like puke. And I was just like. just like barf. Mm. I was like, yeah, man. And so yeah. the veneer was very quickly lifted in that yeah. moment, you know. Mm-hmm. So I don't have too many temptations like that anymore. <clears throat> And again, that was just a fleeting little, that weird little daydream, that little back of my head daydream. I, I mean, I have those about like kicking a dog off a roof. So I don't know. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like it's a, a invasive, intrusive thoughts. I mean, and then they're gone. Now alcohol has become part of the intrusive thought where I'm like, let's throw this baby. Mm-hmm. Like, why would I throw that stranger's baby? No. Yeah. And then the brain's like, who knows? Mm-hmm. You know, it runs off. <laughs> like a ghost. Yeah, it, like an it's, evil it is a ghost. ghost. Oh yeah. man, it's got a voice and everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yes, that's the thing I think about temptation. I think too, what I did in in early recovery, especially you know, I just knew I didn't put myself anywhere I didn't feel safe or comfortable or secure. So yeah, if somebody yeah, was going to meet me somewhere, or if I had to go out to lunch with somebody, I made sure that I sat at a table and not at the bar. You know, I made sure that maybe we go and get coffee in the morning instead of, you know, having a club soda at night with somebody, you know. So just Mm -hmm. making sure that you plan those those moments so that temptation is not even there if you don't feel strong enough to withstand it or handle your business, you know. Word. Handle your business. Handle your business. This one comes from at Virtue... Virtu Virtu Vivian Vi- Oh Vertruvian Vertruvian Plague, yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. How has recovery changed how you view your friendships and relationships? Um <laughs> It's like dead air there for a minute. I'm like, that's a great question. As a matter of fact, he sent me that question and I have had had time to think about it and now I forgot. How has it, it changed my relationships and friendships? Mm-hmm. I am not friends. Uh, that's bullshit. I am still friends, but I do not talk to three quarters of the people I used to hang out with and talk to. 
Mm-hmm. I don't. I don't. There's nothing really that ties us together anymore. I still love those people and I care about them. I, so, I mean, I, I misspoke when I said I'm not friends, but they're just some people that I just, I just, we just have nothing. There's nothing there. It's gone. I wish, as yeah. far as my, yeah, my drinking friends, it's like dust in the wind. Like, goodbye. Good luck. I love you. It was all have, good and you know, fun. Have and... fun out there. We had a blast, <laughs> but it's time for me to, Elvita saying goodnight. Mm-hmm. You know, I got to go. And uh, my, my relationship has gotten better. My wife and I communicate much better. My daughter and I are homies. I don't know if you're going to cut that whole part out where I just screamed at her <laughs> so bad I popped a vocal cord. No. I didn't. But, uh, like, we all get along really well. I mean, I honestly think about these nightmare scenarios between my wife and I that when I was drinking, I would think of. And they would fill me with such dread. You know, this idea of oh, she's going to cheat on you. These insecure things that intrusive Your insecurity thinking. manifesting itself in these uh-huh. nightmare scenarios. I think of them now and I feel like I think I can manage that. Like, I think I can get through that. I think, whereas before I'd be like, ah, fuck it, jump off a bridge. You know, mm-hmm. like that's the only way I'm going to drink a fucking handle and jump off a bridge. So I feel like. My friendships have become more genuine with the people I am friends with. They've become more, they've had more depth and richness to them. And my relationship has definitely improved. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I would say the same thing that there are people that I drank with that I just don't talk to anymore. And not that there's any, <clears throat> there's any ill will whatsoever. I just don't, mm-hmm. you know, somebody asked me like, Hey, have you uh, heard from so-and-so or whatever? And I was like, yeah, you know what? I haven't heard from them in a while. And, you know, they're they're very much they like to go out and drink and imbibe and enjoy. And I don't think there's anything wrong with them or with it, but it's just not like necessarily chatting with them. Then there's friendships with people who I used to talk to quite frequently on the phone and um, be very, very drunk. And I just little by little, slowly, these people just stopped calling me because <laughs> either a I wouldn't be available at two o'clock in the morning Right, B, you wouldn't answer. I wouldn't answer. Or B, if it was 10 o'clock at night, I was only available for like half an hour until right. they started, you know, repeating themselves the third or fourth time. I was like, <clears throat> I got to go. I got to go. It's, it, we're yeah. done here. And so I really, I have all the love in the world for those people, but, you know, I just don't have the time for them. Right. So, it's it's like a different time. The time is partitioned mm-hmm. out, portioned out differently. Yeah. yeah. I, have, I, I have more important... I just have more important places to be and people to be with and not any ill will toward them. But you know, and I mean, we do this right. thing every single, every single week. I've said it before. I wouldn't be doing this right now with you drunk. Um, no, even when no. the year that you were sober and I was drunk, we didn't talk that much. And usually no, I would listen to you for a little while and then I'd be like, I got to go to bed. John. You're like, man, I'm dealing with some shit over here and you're fucking babbling my ear off and it's late. It's late, and I'm just standing in a garage. It's cold. <laughs> so, because I was smoking, I was smoking cigarettes back then too. Mm. So I had to stand in the garage. And now here we are on a podcast. So I've never heard anybody Make say to me, magic. "I quit drinking and my relationships got worse." Right. I've never your, heard that. Well, your friendship relationship, your relationships mm-hmm. with other drunks got worse because they probably are afraid they're going to catch the sober from you, like it's fucking, <laughs> like it's the flu. flu. Yes. Yeah, but I mean. I think you know. I think there's a certain level of like filtering about who who your friends are and and it's complicated, man, cuz it's not like you just 
you go, well, I don't drink anymore, so I'm better than everybody else. And, right. You Sayonara, know, bros. Because yeah. there's still people I care about and people who I know that drink very, very heavily that I don't talk to that I wish I could reach out to and, and you know, do every once in a while. But I certainly, you can't, yeah. you can't go around telling all your drunk friends that it's time for them to quit drinking. No, that's not your place <laughs> it's nor not your, your place, business. So. No, uh-uh. I am not the drunk police. Mm-hmm. I'm the drunk avoider. Just leave me alone. Um, And, uh, yeah, so I think that it's... <sighs> everything has gotten better in my life. Absolutely everything. In my relationship, I, you know, met my girlfriend after I'd quit drinking. So that was mm-hmm. that was an absolute blessing that I mm-hmm. that we were able to find each other and, and do this. And she doesn't drink, so it's pretty... It's an outstanding thing. I think it's great that you're with a person who doesn't know you as a drunk. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like doesn't know you're, I mean, knows you cause you tell them stories. Sure. And this person is like, I can't believe you were ever like that. And I'm like in the background, like, yeah, he was. Yeah, he was. I saw it. Yeah. I helped. I helped, I helped a lot. <laughs> so it's, you know, and we were talking yeah. about that the other night and I was telling her about getting kicked out of some show before, like the killer's first show in Seattle and how I got thrown uh-huh. out the back door because I was drinking whiskey with some dude in the stall. And, um, Oh yeah. Yeah. And yeah. That, like, I got all my friends together to go see this show. And, and she's like, you got kicked out. You didn't even like get to see the show. And I was like, Nope, man, I was there before the killers were big, man. And, uh, mm-hmm. anyhow, that's a whole nother, but so I think that everything has gotten a lot better since I've every single relationship that I've had, whether it be with somebody drunk or somebody still drinking or somebody sober has been a thousand times better. Yeah. We care more now. Yes. We care more. We do. We literally do. We care more about, mm-hmm. we care more. Yeah. So this one is the other one that you sent me from Schwablamo. It says, yeah, homie, when are we going to hit a meeting together? So- Don't worry about it. We'll, we'll hit a meeting soon. <laughs> All right. I'm just a little flaky sometimes. So I got a lot going on in my life. Mm-hmm. Not much, but I got some stuff. I have a thing that I have to do once a week that really takes up my entire week. <laughs> well, I'm going to hit you up, though. You stay you stay strong out there, dog. So, I hope you're listening to this. So I think this is... Now I, I brought this up as a joke, but I think it brings up an interesting point that um, that you have experienced much more than I have, where you being in recovery... And somebody who feels like they should be or wants to be or, so, you know, you say, yeah, I don't drink anymore. And they're like, yeah, man, I'm I'm trying to cut back, too. And, yeah, we should really go to a meeting. And you say, OK, well, meet me over here at this time or I'll pick you up. And and they inevitably have some excuse or can't make it or my kid's sick or my dog's kid's sick or whatever. Mm-hmm. And. There's nothing really to be done. So I guess what I would say is that I imagine you can't really resent that person or feel bad. No, not at all. No, no. I understand where they're coming from. I get it. Mm-hmm. I totally get it. The worst thing that anyone could have even, even at my worst, the worst thing you could have told me is, we'll just quit drinking. Mm-hmm. Why don't you go down to those meetings they have in church basements and drink that <laughs> shit coffee? Be like, fuck you, dog. I'm going to keep drinking. Mm-hmm. That shit is, it's, it's very scary. It's very scary. It's scary and it's kind of sad. And it's it's all the negative things. It's frustrating and scary and sad. And you got to say goodbye to this thing. This thing that you've been in love with and that you've been using and has been using you for like as long as you've known, you know, and you got to say bye to it now. 
and sit with all these sad people in his basement. Mm -hmm. And then after a while, you realize those people are happy as hell. Mm -hmm. Some of them are. Some of them are crazy as hell. I mean, it runs the gauntlet. It's a fucking spice rack of fucking loonies in there. But it is literally a spice rack of crazy (laughs) people. But some of them are doing really good. And and I think um, I understand it. I totally understand yeah. it. It's not even. I'm not even coming from like this asshole superior place where I'm like, I get it. Like I feel, I feel it. Mm-hmm. Like in my heart, I'm like, I feel that shit, like that fear. And if it's not fear, maybe you got too much going on. Then I get that too. I got a lot. Like I said, I got this one podcast I do a week, and it takes up a lot of my time. You know, <laughs> it's, you know. But yeah, it's just that there's a lot. This of, is a joke because no, I, I do nothing. <laughs> I just show up and just oh, come say on, stuff. Jerry, that's not true. I mean, I react. I like the kids react to, you know, whatever. Is that what's... <laughs> yeah, like grandparents react to This Is America by fucking Childish Gambino. That's me. I haven't seen that one yet. You have to send me that link. I will. Uh, but yeah, but yeah I, it's it's I there's a lot it, of fear and a lot of, you know, about going to meetings, especially when you don't know what's going on on the other side, man. And uh, I was there for sure. Yeah, it took it took a lot of took a hell of a lot it's crazy dude you go in that room and they're talking to you about not drinking anymore and god and how bad it got and then they all start laughing about how bad it got like it's the funniest fucking thing and you're in the, in the world. thick you're of like, it this this fucking cult is crazy these people are cult members and then you realize yeah that it is kind of funny that you are in the shit that this guy mm-hmm. who tells you you know whatever is like totally fucking right he's your fucking road dog you don't even know it <laughs> he's like riding with you you know you're like damn damn yeah. it's great but it's scary. So I get it. And I, I don't mind. And if those people, any of those people who have hit me up in the past who have kind of, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like not followed through or just even t- tentatively reached out to me. Like you're always welcome to reach out to me again. You're always, even if you never want to reach out to me again, you always say hi to me. I don't care. Yeah. I'm not going to ever judge you for that shit. Like no. I fucking get it. I was there. I get it. Yeah, I was totally there. I was totally there. So if I see you out in the street, we're homies. I'm going to hug you. I hate touching people too, but I'll still <laughs> hug you. Thank you for listening to A is for Alcoholic. Our music is by Neglect. You can find more of his music at neglectsound.bandcamp.com. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And contact us at A is for alcoholic at gmail.com.